Well, Jim, uh, I want to thank you for stopping by the spoiler room here to talk about your new film, End Times. It just came out on VOD uh, July 14th in select theaters. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you've probably been pretty busy since it's been uh, been released. Yeah, it's a it's a good kind of busy, though. It's nice. It's yeah. nice to be finally here. You know, we, we shot it a, a little a couple of years ago. We shot it pre-pandemic, actually. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, we, we spent some you know, the obviously pandemic slowed us down sure. a little bit. We spent some time in post-production. So, so it's really great to just be here at this point of the, the journey and be <laughs> talking about the finished thing as opposed to still, you know, trying to trying to get it out there and stuff. But it's awesome. I imagine because uh, especially with the subject that it is and, and involved, the fact that it was pre-pandemic when I heard that uh, is kind of surprising. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just giving my listeners just a brief, uh, maybe a synopsis from your words, uh, what End Times is about. Um, I like to, I really, the whole time have thought of it as a, just a, a love story that takes place at the end of the world. Um, kind of a platonic love story, more like a father-daughter story. Um, uh, you know, it's about a, a, kind of pampered young suburbanite who finds herself caught in the midst of this this zombie apocalypse. And she meets up with this seasoned sort of ex-mercenary guy who's done a lot of things he's not proud of. And he, for, for his part, gets a sort of a second chance of salvation uh, in being able to train this young woman on how to survive in this kind of hostile new environment for which she is completely unsuited uh uh to, to make it uh she's she's you know her, her days are numbered except except unless he can uh, train her up and everything so they kind of go on this journey uh within the the, the story of the film uh los angeles is, is uh, quarantined off in this couple hundred mile square territory and their goal is just to just get out of the quarantine and see if they can get to safety and you know what they find at the quarantine you know changes that plan yeah, and it is a bit of a familiar story, but I liked your take on it in that you had this more of a plutonic relationship, as you said, between, uh, you know, uh, Claire and Freddie, uh, Claire played by Jamie Bernadetta uh, Det and uh, Craig Stark playing Freddie. And and I liked that because I was kind of worried. I was, I was watching yeah. this. I was like, OK, are we going to have this turned <laughs> into a romantical thing? But you didn't. Was that a conscious choice to try to make it? It was it was very conscious, and, it, and it's why I, I wanted to cast a more veteran actor like like Craig in the role, um, uh, who is obviously still like you know I'm sure plenty of women find him attractive <laughs> or anything. I'm not trying to say that, but um, but just to create enough of a generation gap there where you're not you're not hoping for it, right? You're not anticipating right. it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think there's an interesting story to be told there about two people meeting at the end of the world, but that wasn't the story I wanted to tell. I just wanted to yeah. I wanted to have them form this new family unit because both of their lives have been shattered by the events that, you know, happened. So I wanted to take two characters who, who were basically desolated uh, at the beginning of the movie and have them find a reason to live together. And uh, yeah. And, and you established that well uh, with this, I haven't dropped my review yet, but spoiler, I enjoyed it. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> I've, I've watched, I've watched a lot of zombie films in my time. Uh, and yeah, I liked your take on it. Now, uh, did you have the, the, the uh, actors in mind when you wrote this or did you have this script already set and then a kind of cast to the part? Uh, Jamie was there from the advent of the project. So we were kind of talking about working on a project together and, sure. and this is what we sort of came up with and decided to start working on. Um, we had to start quickly. The location that you see in a lot of the beginning of the film with the ruined town and everything was a location near where I live that I suddenly had access to that we were able to film at, but they were tearing it down as we spoke. 
<laughs> so we could only start after 4 p.m. when the bulldozers stopped actually sure. doing it. And, and we had to do the first half of the film. Basically, we had to shoot the first half of the film very quickly while those buildings and everything were still there because like there's scenes where we filmed inside a house and then a week or two later, we came back and we filmed on a pile of rubble. And that's that same house. We just, it's, it's the same physical location. It's just, it, you know, and then a month or two later, it was just a flat piece of, of nothing that we could film on too. It was really, so it was a race against time for that. And again, like I said, it was summer. So we had about from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. to shoot. And that was it because we lost the light. So it was tricky. Uh, it was a race. So we did that first half very quickly. So I had to, we had to cast it very quickly. Um, and we just sort of went with people that we knew that, you know, we offered them roles and stuff and see, see who's interested in what. And luckily Craig had reached out to me not too long before about working together about something. And I threw him the part and he thought it was, it was, you know, his kind of thing and stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's known for uh, being, uh, playing these, these characters in a lot of Tarantino films. Right. Uh, I don't think up until then he'd ever had a role with like this much dialogue and <laughs> this much screen time in a film, like really carrying a film. Um, but I knew he could do it, and I, I was proven right because he really can. He's really he's really a, a movie star. Um, he's like he's almost like a Clint Eastwood type or something. I mean, he really you know does it. And that accent is completely his accent. He's from Louisiana, and he's just got that that drawl and everything. So he was just perfect. He reminded me a bit of um, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Parks from uh, 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 the Tarantino yeah. films as well. Kind of his character, kind of like. Yeah that style and and i really I think it's like the kind of person tarantino's drawn to there there's an authenticity there yeah exactly with him yeah yeah and and i felt that with him and uh jamie and him really seemed to to be able to play off each other well uh, yeah. especially with jamie in a role that i will honestly say i'm not used to seeing her in because <laughs> usually she's in a little bit tougher roles so yeah. to, to see her in a role like this was <clears throat> was great i mean she, I, I thought she did a really powerful performance but uh I, I i think she did a great job being being vulnerable and also mm -hmm. also being powerful at the same time um you know it's funny at some point during filming she turned me she's like you know she's saying all these lines is claire and she's like claire's so dumb why <laughs> it's driving me crazy i was like i know it's Claire. <laughs> you know acted so she, no and she did she, she was fantastic and she was also a producer on the film so sure. you know she's doing these very intense emotional scenes and then turning around and like helping coordinate meals and locations yeah. and casting and stuff. I mean, that, that's a real right brain, left brain thing to be able to jump back and forth. Not everybody can do that. So very, she's a very impressive woman. Yeah. And it was a very uh, emotional performance on there. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's what, uh, in all honesty, a number of surprises for me because of the genre and zombie genre is quite popular and, and been done quite a bit, but you brought a lot of emotion and, and weight in this film. Uh, versus what you might normally see, especially, and no offense to anyone, I love their movies and and sometimes, <laughs> you know, the asylum, when you hear the asylum and zombie yeah. picture, you don't exactly think of a, a more emotional character driven piece like this is. We're we're a bit of a we're a bit of a mis, misnomer. I don't know. It's it's really funny. No, I, uh, you know, it just came out really organically. Uh, Jamie had worked with the asylum, the folks at the asylum before. Uh, she'd had another film she was in and produced uh, called The Sixth Friend, released by the asylum a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so um, you know, we kind of had had the in sure. there, and you know, once they took a look at the film and they 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 looked at it like that. Well, they're like, well, this is fun. Like, no, well, fun's the word for it, but okay, sure, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Um, uh, things happen very kind of very quickly from there and everything. Yeah. But we're we're so glad to be coming out to them because they're 
their distribution arm is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their name brand recognition for you know whatever Sharknado or this or whatever is, is so is so per, uh, per uh, pervasive, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is great. It's great really working with the people who are really good at what they do. Yeah, because there's uh, a lot of distributors out there that are not as good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some horror stories about some yeah. of the distributors out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and especially with Asylum, because for me, Asylum made one of the best zombie uh, series out there, uh, Z Nation. I, I'll yeah. take Z Nation over Walking Dead. Yeah, I said it. Right. Uh, <laughs> Z Nation was great. So what kind of influenced your story? Because I, I've seen references to The Last of Us, though this obviously came out before the series. Uh, what what kind of things influenced you for you, your approach of a, a, zomb- a slightly different zombie story? Well, this is this is coming up in a lot of the interviews, but but I, I feel like it's it's part and parcel of part of this this origin story of the film. Uh, so I'm from Pittsburgh originally, okay. so I grew up with Night of the Living Dead and mm-hmm. and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, those two films are very pervasive in the in the horror culture of the town. It's part of our identity, really. Um, so those are touchstones, and whenever anything's a touchstone, I think you either you can't ignore it, right? You have to either right. lean, <laughs> lean into it or lean away from it, or or sure. do something. Um, but really the thing I, I want to do is just write a, write a story about two characters that, that almost had nothing to do with the zombies. The zombies mm-hmm, are, right. a, are a, are a, a mechanic, a, a mechanical thing that, that, that drives the plot forward right. and drives the two mm-hmm. characters forward. But really the story is about these people. And it's also about who, how people recreate themselves when mm-hmm. our culture falls apart. Um, do they reinvent themselves as, as something new? Is that is that new thing devoid of the morality that they were forced to deal with it, with mm-hmm. our culture? Where you know they're living in this world now where there's no laws, there's no rules, there's no punishment, right. there's no cops, there's no anything. Um, who do you choose to be in that new world? Right? Do you choose to be a, still be a force for good and compassion? Do you choose to just rape and kill people? You know. Um, who do you know? The people you know. Which way do you think they would go? Right. right. Like. <laughs> right. Um, I always make the joke about the, the grandma and the kid sweater that I swear would immediately start eating human beings. Like, like, <laughs> the, like, there would be yes. no, I've worked with some of these people. I swear yeah. to God, they would just, yeah, I, I used to say, like, in the zombie pockets, you just start <laughs> eating people like that. Dude, have no compulsion about it. Right. Um, <clears throat> there's even a scene like that in, um, in uh, Book of Eli, where they meet the, the cute old yes. couple and they, and they realize they've been eating people the whole time and everything. It's just like that. So, so that's the idea. Like, again, the, the, the zombies push the forward the story forward mm-hmm. but um well, what we're really talking about is, is a, 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 a human evolution story right and and you kind of have that element here the whole kitty the old lady in the kitty sweater element here later on in the film when we get to mm-hmm. the the commune the the yeah. however you want to put it, it 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 felt the same way it's funny because when they came up i'm like these people are scarier than the people in the wasteland. Yes, exactly. Then, then the road warrior people. Yeah, it's always yeah. the pretty people, right? It's always the nice people. And it's, it's you know, it's in the film where he talks about it. It's like, you know, they look nice. They smell nice. They dress nice. They're pretty. You know, um, they're like, he's like, you know, nothing, nothing works this well. There's something up and stuff. And yeah. it's, you know, it's just, it's this next part of this, this teaching story where, right. where Claire just doesn't still have the, 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 the wisdom yet to trust her senses and to, and to listen to that inner voice and stuff that, that, that is just going off in Craig's ear when yeah, they meet these people. That street smarts. It almost felt like a little bit yeah. like, uh, it almost felt a bit like Claire was resistant 
to knowing street smarts. Like she was almost intimidated by it. Yeah. I mean, she she learned yeah. how to defend herself with the, you know, knife. But as yeah. she progressed and there is some growth, I still get this hesitation with her, which surprised me because a lot of characters like this, we see suddenly that character like embrace it, you know, like yeah, have yeah, the rocky that, montage moment. That, that's what I was trying to avoid was that 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 instant thing, right? Right. That that steep climb. I wanted this to be, you know, and um, you know, I don't say I I think she's just um she she's hypnotized by Kawaii Lyman because mm -hmm. he's so hunky in the movie, right? With the, the long hair and everything like <laughs> yeah. that, you know. I just you can buy you buy it. You're like, okay, well, you know, it's pretty. He's, you know, he's but but Kai Kai is is so is, I mean, he's he doesn't hurt people in real life or anything but probably really in real life is that magnetic and stuff like that you you want to kind of hang with him you want to be buddies with him because he's just the coolest dude he never wears shoes and he rides harleys and you know i mean he's just like you're like dude you're just who lives in venice come on like oh, he's just yeah. way too cool his wife's beautiful yeah and i mean kai's a great guy and, and it was it was a uh, he came through uh jamie working on this project and he was really a great collaborator he was he, he gave me a little bit of uh you know, a little bit of Manson vibes, but mm -hmm. but at the right. same time, very charismatic, more charismatic. You know, I mean, he. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's just I. Watched... He's kind of like what Manson thought he looked like. You know. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You in, in his mind's eye, like that. That's who I am. It's like the the um. So one of the critics uh, thought the the line where you described uh, uh, Freddie described him as Viking Jesus was really funny because he does. He kind of looks like Viking Jesus. That that made me really laugh when he called yeah. him Viking Jesus. Cause yeah, he nailed him with that. Yeah. He, he nailed him with that. And uh yeah, I, I liked that dynamic, how you you have the different worlds that they're living in. And and Jamie yeah. Bernadette definitely puts in an emotional, I mean, her Claire goes through hell, especially yeah. that that first half hour of the yeah, film. Just that, that yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, during some during the production, I, I I actually grabbed a couple stills and I grabbed a picture of Jamie at their character at the beginning of the sure. film, at the very beginning. Which there was actually a whole ten minute opening that we actually cut out of the film. Which oh. if we ever get a Blu-ray release, will will be on the uh, as an added feature. Sure. Um, just sort of like the it's like day zero of, of Claire waking up and just going about her day, and then only realizing what's happening. Um, we chose to just drop her in the middle of the film. But I sent her a picture of that, her in one of those scenes, and I sent her a picture of herself at the end. <laughs> and I said, like, this looks like two completely different characters. This is, uh, you know, the the journey she goes on as a character is really, I'm very proud of it. It's, it's a, it's not an arc. It's like, a, it's actually like a full, almost like, you know, 180 degree parabolum or something like that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it, 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 it is. It's also fun to take someone like Jamie and like met, mess her up and make her look like, like creepy and stuff like that. And I think she enjoyed doing that too. Yeah, the makeup effects looked great. You do have uh, a, a, some uh, digital effects, but you do have a lot of practical in here as well. Conscious choice on that, even though it might add to your budget a bit? Yeah, a lot of it was. Um, as much as we could get away with, we filmed sure. during uh, a, a, a summer where it was really, really dry, and we filmed up a lot of the Hollywood Hills and Simi Valley and stuff. So any uh, idea that we were going to be using blanks or or squibs or anything like that went out the window because you can't do that safely in those environments unless you have like fire trucks ready for it right which right. did not have the budget for so um <laughs> so by necessity like all all the gunfire um and, and a lot of the hits and stuff are digital um some of the blood and gore effects we did do uh my, my buddy doc death uh, mm -hmm. uh anthony eicher okay. uh, worked mm -hmm. on and i've worked with him on a couple films and uh most of everything was co2 compressed air Mm -hmm. uh, uh, uh gags and stuff like that with hoses and everything like that sure. so, so there's no actual like fire element and stuff like that. but you get this great effect 
what I like to do is, is at least start with something like that and then add and, and augment it a little bit digitally. So you don't, the audience doesn't really see where the handoff is. Um, I, I remember hearing uh, Guillermo del Toro talk about doing stuff like that for, way back in like late two in the old days where um, uh, he would just, you know, he hides the line of like what's real and what's not. And so the audience just, just goes with it. And that's why I, I like to lean into that quite a bit. But yeah, all the zombie effects. I mean, that's, I mean, to me, if, if you're doing a zombie film and, and most of the most of it's not prosthetics and what are you doing like that's right of, like a wolfman movie i mean the fun of it is is doing the makeup and everything like that and subjecting actors to that which you know <laughs> is, is really fun but um you know there's there's some scenes where you know you do the blind eye contact stuff mm -hmm. like that and there's some scenes where you have to go in and digitally kind of remove some of the edges of the contact and smooth some things out there's just little bits but but for the most part yeah um you know if it's just something really there um i it does help the actors find the performance and and we we're really trying to do something just a little different with the zombies. We were talking, I was talking to all the actors about, um, especially Victoria DeMare, she played uh, the first zombie we shot. And I talked to her about like her synapses misfiring and like almost having like, 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 like an MS type type episode or something like that. And as opposed to just like growling and stalking and everything, we were really, I was really trying to get to like a unique physical ambulatory kind of look for the zombies. Yeah, and you have that, and they're, they're still a threat. Uh, they still feel yeah. a threat. They travel in packs. Uh, not all of them uh, exactly, you know, some of them run, some of them shamble, which I appreciate the mixture. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I... Well, it's like kind of what stage are they at, right? I mean, right. They're, they're kind of freshly gone, you know, started with the disease. Yeah, they'd still be able to ambulate and, and, and move pretty quickly as they're starting to, uh, sh you know, shut down. Then, yeah, obviously, there's they're, they're losing the strength and coordination. Uh, you, you have a, a few pretty dark scenes, as I mentioned earlier, uh, what Jamie goes through in the beginning. Uh, when you're shooting these, and I always like asking this, uh, were there any moments or something in the script that, that you wrote out? And then as you're thinking about doing it, you're like, maybe we shouldn't go that far with it. You know, you know, there's a moment there's a moment on set, I will say, where you go, I wish I hadn't written this into the thing, um, uh, you know, filming a, a <laughs> sure. scene of a sexual yeah. assault or something like that. Um, it's not obviously fun. Right. Um, it's something you want to take seriously. And it's something I, to me, like any kind of violence in a movie, like I think, I think it's only fair to treat it as something horrible and show it as something horrible, because if you minimize it, then you're minimizing people who've actually experienced violence of, any, of all sorts of different kinds. Mm -hmm. So it, it is something, but it's something that um, just like if you're doing a stunt or a gunshot, um, it changes the the tone of the set where everything, you know, you're having fun, you're doing all sorts of, you know, lines and everyone's yelling and shooting and running and stuff. And then everything stops. Um, we did that scene. We, we I, there was nobody in, in the room except for Jamie, yeah. uh, Dan Baran, uh, my cinematographer, Ray and I, uh, Jamie had actually picked Dan. She cast him mm. like as her sure. rapist basically. Um, and I wanted her to do that because I wanted her to find somebody who she was going to feel safe and comfortable, comfortable with, with yeah. and that they could do it. Um, yeah. Um, and we did it very quickly. We shot with two cameras, so we didn't have to do many resets. And we just kind of, we gave Jamie a few minutes to um, mm. to get there. And then we we shot it and just got, honestly, just got through it as, as fast as we could while making sure we got what we needed and then moved right. on to more fun, enjoyable. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But, you know, um, and, and, and I'll be happy if I never have another scene like that in any of my movies ever again. That's mm -hmm. fine with me. I, I would, you know, I don't know if I'd even do that now. Um, but the whole idea of it was, you know, I think you've seen these two parallel stories now happening at the beginning of the film with Jamie and with with Craig. Um, and I think the expectation is that, that the guy is going to show up in the nick of time and save her. Right. Uh, from 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 this attack. 
And the point I think we were trying to show is that no, he's he doesn't he's not going to show spoilers. He's not going to show up in time, right? Right. Um, uh, she's going to have to deal with this herself, and and then he shows up and he saves her from another type of right, you know, possibly e- e- more even fatal uh, incident. But but the idea is like like he's not that you know you know Freddy's not the hero of the story, mm-hmm. uh, nor nor is uh, Claire. They're they're just two characters trying to get through the unendurable. Yeah, and that's what I felt. There was there was no like actual. I mean, as as badass as Freddy is, at the same time mm-hmm. he's not like. He's not like, you know, Rambo gun all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, he's trying to survive. And I I like that dynamic, especially in the beginning when we're introduced to him. Um, It's pretty shocking. So he and Claire both have that parallel of of pretty much a a mental breaking moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And and I could see where that would bring them together. Um, Yeah, they're just both desolated at the beginning of the film and they need to find each other and to, you know, find a new reason to, to survive. Cause it'd be so easy to just not at, the, at that point, just, you know, give up. Yeah. Up it, yeah. Whatever happened to you. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, but, and, but we do get, you know, obviously later on, we do, we do get some satisfaction when they run back yeah. into that group and stuff. And I, and I do like the moment where Craig's like, you got to do this. This is, this mm-hmm. is, this is on you and stuff. And that's, that's again, a next step in, in, in Claire's evolution. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that call. And one of the things that I find funny with uh, a a lot of, with a number of zombie films that are more serious uh, is how much they paint the human nature as just, you know, if civilization went to crap, almost everybody would go psycho. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and again, that's my, you know, as a guy, I think part of the story I wanted to tell was, was a story of three guys. Of right. Freddie and Ciro and Hayden, mm-hmm. and how each of them again reacts to to now living in a rule in a world without rules. Um, how much of their inner morality or lack thereof kind of comes out, like I was saying before. And I think mm-hmm. you know by by casting these three very good actors um, who all physically there's a little similarity. They all have the beards and they all have, you know some shaggy hair sure. and everything like that. you know I mean they're not all too dissimilar. Um, right. I was sort of, I'm like doing like this three-way triangle of like, you know, which way would you go kind of, kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and uh, you pull that off well. And I did like the separation between the worlds and almost making it feel like our, our couple have nowhere really to go if they want to be with people. They, they just really should be right. with each other, which, which I'm not going to spoil the ending, just saying that it, it gets, you know, a, a bit heartbreaking yeah it gets complicated uh, right it, it, get, um. it gets complicated as, as you get near the end of the film um yeah, yeah. and and you know and as part you know i we've gotten a few a few of the critics have, have talked about it, like you know well they just seem to wander a lot in, in the movie and it's just you know there's a lot of walking and there's a lot of things and, and um i can appreciate that and okay you know there's a certain type of film that if you want to see something where it's just all kinetic and action okay great but you know the point of doing this the point of doing a two-hour drama that's very widescreen and you know has like this big landscape it was this idea that like there's a certain amount of tedium to their lives too like it's not all run gun shoot escape you know hide it's there's just there's a lot of walking there's a lot it takes a long it takes a while to get to when you're you know having lived in la you know if you're trying to get from San Pedro to Santa Clarita and you're walking, yeah, it's going to take yeah. some time. Trust me, it's going to be hot and it's going to be miserable because we were out in that exact kind of weather in mm-hmm. most of our locations, very far away from bathrooms, very far away from 
any kind of shade and a lot of comfort and, and stuff. But we filmed in some really forlorn places. Um, but I'm really proud of, of, you know, I was able to capture this desolated landscape in the midst of one of the most populous cities in, in, in the country. Like, like, you know, and most of these places you just turn just a little bit, you're going to see the 110 or just a little bit over. And, and there's, like I said, I could, I could make a three hour cut of this movie of just the actors sitting and waiting for planes to pass overhead. Oh, sure. For the sound. Sure. So, you know, it's just, it'd be just 20 minutes yep. of Freddy just standing there like, <laughs> yeah. okay, clear for sound. Let me go. Clear so it, it was, it was, yeah. it was inevitable. We got yep. Yeah, I was on I was on a set. I was a, a script supervisor for one. We were filming at a farmhouse and we had to wait because it was supposed to be a desolate farmhouse, but it was right near a road. So we'd have to wait. We're like, oh wait, nope, car. Okay. You, you you don't realize how many trucks have air brakes until you're yeah. trying to film. And you realize that wow, there's a lot of air brakes out there. <laughs> a lot of air brakes. But I did like your location. I was wondering, I'm glad you let uh, mentioned about how you found that. A uh, place that was getting demolished because I was wondering how you found the locations because, uh, you know, you have a lot of practical settings. It's not like digitally enhanced to it. It's it's these are ruins, and I'm like, where'd you go to Detroit to film some of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, that was actually near me. Uh, my wife and I bought a house a couple years ago, and and it was a few neighborhoods over from where we lived in the South Bay. And every day I would drive with a whole bunch of stuff in the car excuse me to the new house and i passed this old it was an old navy uh, housing yard back oh, when okay. the navy had a base in, mm -hmm. in long beach um that base shut down so from the since the 80s or so that place has been abandoned um no one was ever allowed to film there the uh, la swat team used to use it to test you know to practice raiding yeah. and stuff um like i said there were there was goats on the property that would <laughs> that would you know mow the lawns there was sure. coyotes it would eat stuff one day one day before we started shooting we had to have someone come in and take like this really fresh coyote kill out of the room we were about to shoot with with veronica demare uh uh, uh, uh and right i mean there was just a, we walked in like we'd scouted the day before everything was fine we watching the day it's like oh <laughs> where's his head oh geez yeah um super dangerous just you know tons of nails and yeah. boards and and wire and and all sorts of stuff and yeah coyotes and everything like that um it was wow. you know um i i went there to just get some just some second unit footage one evening before i went to meet my wife for dinner and i got in there right right around dusk just to get some stuff and after a minute i realized like i'm alone in this entire neighborhood <laughs> yeah like and only the guard at the gate knows i'm here and and he might just go home and forget it. and if i fall into a hole or something like that like like the coyotes are gonna get me like it was really it was a spooky place um my wife and i just went there and and toured one of the townhouses that they've built now now it's an entire community with like 1.3 million dollar townhouses it's incredible <laughs> wow. it's incredibly posh now it's hilarious sure. you'd never guess what it used to look like um it was i was nice we in a way we got to chronicle this place that mm -hmm. is gone now sure. um since no one else ever got to film there and stuff it was really it was a great experience it was fun that was cool that you got to to film there and yeah and they're really they're, they're really cooperative we and there was inspiration for you too alone in this city in this yeah. neighborhood with yeah you yeah. know and nothing. it was and it was only like 20 minutes from my house which is nice when you're the writer director you get to like pick some locations that are like yeah, pretty easy commute for everyone else is coming down from the valley and taking like an hour to get to the location i'm like i don't know it's yeah. right down the hill for me sure. yeah <laughs> good to be the king sometimes Not bad. good to be the king uh so what kind of a zombie or horror films uh, would you say ins have inspired you? Make you were there any that made wanted you to make a filmmaker? What you, what made you want to get into this crazy business? 
Um, well, like I said, I think definitely Night, Night of the Living Dead was was a touchstone. They would show it on TV, uh, you know, locally a, a lot, uh, uh, not least because it was uh, free from copyright at that point. Sure, um, sure. Because the copyright failed on it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, my buddies and I would go to Minerva Mall uh, in high school and go visit the bridge and stuff for, with where they filmed Dawn of the Dead and everything. Um, so it was like, it was kind of, like I said, it's part of the zeitgeist of where I grew up. Um, but I also... Uh, I'm a big classic horror movie fan. Oh, okay. um, I have a pod. I actually have a podcast of just the talk we talk about mostly like old Universal horror and, and stuff. Oh, that. nice. So, so early on, I got really into like White Zombie mm -hmm. uh, with Bela Lugosi. I got into uh, uh, Val Luton's I Walked with the Zombie. With oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Director, which is one of my favorite. We just did an episode on that in the thing, and it's just elegant. There's almost nothing supernatural in that movie. It almost sells you. It's just like no voodoo's real, and here, here, here it is. <laughs> and and then it's. You know, that movie is really a human drama that takes place against this backdrop of this Caribbean island uh, right. where there's there's these practices. And that in its own way was kind of a, a, a big influence to me. I think I'm really influenced by a lot of older horror films like like pre pre 80s, like pre Jason, yeah. like, like I'm talking, you know, Carnival Souls and, and so and movies like that. Um, so. So, yeah, I just take a little bit from all that stuff. But really, I think I think when you succeeded in a horror genre film, is when non-horror fans will watch it too like you've mm -hmm. crossed over right. and i have people in my life that do not like horror movies but if i can if i can get them to watch and invest in in something i've done and get past the initial knee-jerk horror reaction uh, i feel like i've succeeded in something and yeah i think that's that's the thing with horror and even uh specifically zombie movies they have a stigma of sorts with them that people kind of are hesitant you're like mm -hmm. The great thing about horror is it can cover a lot of subgenres. I mean, like yours, yeah. your your film with End Times, it's more dramatic, but it is in a horror setting, you know. And then you get your right. basic straight slasher, but then you have sci-fi horror, and you've got, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of comedy horror. I'm a huge oh, fan yeah. of Tremors, Bubba Hotep, oh. uh, Abner Costello, Frankenstein, obviously, like like uh, any uh, Evil Dead. I mean, really, Evil Dead's really a comedy horror. Come on. <laughs> um i've realized like some of my favorite horror movies are all those those movies army mm -hmm. of darkness and, and everything like like i really enjoy all those old like kind of uh, uh i just like being entertained you know um you know a, a different jim towns made end times you know from a couple mm -hmm. years ago and i've made a couple films since then and i don't i don't i if i was told to remake this movie now and given mm -hmm. a whole bunch of money i don't know what would be different or what wouldn't it be i think it'd be more colorful now I, I was really into this desaturated thing, and since then I've really embraced color in my in my movies <laughs> uh, recently. Uh, but but I don't I don't know if I it would be better or not. It would just be a different movie because I really think we we got something special. Well, the desaturation helps with the tone of the film. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, they do that and they did that in uh, Walking Dead as well. And and yeah, a which of is other also the era we were making know. it in. So there was kind of like that yeah. was like the shorthand, right? This is how you do this mm -hmm. kind of thing. Okay, it worked. Though I do appreciate the fact, like I said, that you I keep coming back to it to the ruined uh, town, the neighborhood, because Walking Dead, my only problem with that is I'm like, wow, look at how immaculate the yards are after like three yeah. years of a zombie. Yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were I mean, we, you know, we filmed it for a while and, and we were we were we were having our share of jokes about like how much underarm hair Jamie Bernadette would really have. We were really doing this for, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's certain there's certain caveats you have to just give up. Well, on. yeah. Uh, yeah. thing. So, you know, everyone's hair kind of stays mainly the same and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, you you mentioned your love for Universal. I, I love old horror, too. I mean, I love a lot of horror, but it's I always enjoy watching old horror because it always surprises me. 
uh, recently on our podcast, we just did The Last Man on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Vincent Price. About Vincent Price. Yeah. Man, you watch that film and you're just like. Killer. When was this made? You, you know, you yeah. you look at some of these. Or Alfred Hitchcock. A lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. you look at some of his earlier work, and, and you know the, and even his later stuff, Rope and the Birds. People who sit there and go, well, I won't watch anything past like nineteen, you know, ninety nine or two thousand. I'm like, yeah, my b- before I was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you look <clears throat> at these films and you go, wait, I see Spielberg in this one. I see where he, you know, Tarantino borrowed from here. I see where. You can see where um, all the directors got influenced yeah. from. Uh, uh, it against Toby's. It came from another. Uh, uh, or no, the thing from another world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Howard Hawks film yeah. was kind of yeah, it's kind of Toby and everything like that. James Arness. I mean, you know, aside from obviously James Arness's suit, the, which which kind of dates yeah. the thing. You could plop. You could show that to someone now, and it looks it looks like it was just shot. Like the way the dialogue overlaps and everything like that. It's just it's an incredibly put together film. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. Yeah, no, it's it's a great and and, film. and Carpenter's obviously too. Well, yeah. because he remade it and he put it in Halloween and everything. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's it's good that uh, you know you were influenced by the classics because they still use some of the uh, gimmicks and tropes that are used today. You know, those tools I, are I tried and a, true. Yeah, yeah, I always say a trope is a trope because it works every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason, like you know, the whole villain at the end redeems himself by self-sacrificing thing works. It, it's in all these things because it works. It works every time. We're just somehow our DNA. We're programmed to accept that no matter how many bad things he's done. If he at least gives himself up for the greater good at the end, we are ready to cheer for him. And so I don't know why it's just, it's what works. So yeah, tropes the trope because it works every time and, and there's no shame in leaning into that and, and things that work work. So the things that work right. in the Wolfman work now things that work in, in the seventh victim or, or um, you know, Freddie in space or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like they work <laughs> We haven't done Freddy in space. I, I'd like to see a Nightmare Freddy in space. Yeah. Oh, Jason, Jason, Jason in space. That's Jason, right. It was Jason Freddy. in space. Oh yeah, Jason X is one of my favorite. I know blasphemy. I love that that movie's so insane. But speaking of tropes, I mean, you made a film in a genre that has a lot of tropes yeah. uh, in it, but they work to help tell the story. And with end of time, end times, and uh, you know, it because you said, like you said, they're effective. I mean. Yeah, zombies have been done, but you could still tell a human story, which is what End Times right. does. You know, and you can and... sometimes pick those little things, like like you know, I mean, almost every zombie store film has the moment where someone you like gets, gets bit, bit or whatever yeah. and starts turning over, and and that's in everything from you know uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake mm-hmm. and you know everything. Um, but it's always it's usually something that happens and gets dealt with and and moves on, and I'd never felt like that had been given like a a lot of time and a lot mm-hmm. of weight emotionally and i think all, that only works if it happens towards the end where you really are in love with the character by then hopefully and when it's the character you don't think it's going to happen like like that's the other thing so the so the fun thing about the trope is if you can find a way to just undermine it a little bit and mm-hmm. turn it on and see her a little bit then it's sort of born again and and i think that's been a fun thing to play and that's why i mean you know, the, the film actually sort of has four acts. There's sort of the three right. acts, and then there's this final coda that's 10, 12 minutes long or so mm-hmm. that we really took a lot of time doing. And we filmed in one day, by the way. Wow. The entire ending bit in the warehouse was was one off, uh, just like 15 hour day or something. <laughs> like everyone everyone hated me by the time we were done filming, <laughs> but we got we got through it and we got some special stuff. But we had to do it so we could keep 
track logistically right, yeah no spoilers like like step by step by step mm-hmm. in the evolution and, and 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 have it all make sense so yeah that was worth doing it that was fun yeah and i i think it pays off quite a bit because it ends it ends strong um and it ended not quite where i expected it to go which i appreciate uh that's, quite a bit that's the goal, um, yeah <laughs> where you go go with the characters because like i said there's so many out there it's it's a little bit of i imagine a challenge to uh try to come up with something at least somewhat you know feeling a bit fresh to where people are like yeah, yeah. you did this different this is great what would exactly. you say uh what, what would you say uh was your uh a scene where you thought it was just going to be just a huge challenge and ended up just going off real easy like you know you know um there's two scenes to take take place by fire by campfires mm-hmm. um and one of them we shot on that location where like there'd been a house and now there was right. just a big gravel thing so that's the second one and the first one we shot in my backyard because some location didn't work out and we're like all right we're just going to use the fire pit in my backyard and and i'll say like you think that's going to be a problem and then you have this whole there's this whole amazing organic thing that made me want to film a bunch more scenes by, by firelight where, you know, the character will be doing, saying something and then have this emotional thing. And just as they do that, the fire will die down for a second and you'll, you know, the light on their face will fade a little bit and they'll become darker, like literally like yeah. visually darker or, you know, and then at some point the fire, the flames will just show up right in front. There's an organic handoff there that's like, man, that just worked sometimes. It's really fun. <laughs> that goes, and it's just, you know, and it's easy to, you know, then you, you do the reverse and the flames are on the other side. It's, it's just, you know, there's something about two characters having a conversation over, you know, between a fire that, that just uh, resonates. So, yeah, those were things I was like, oh, God, there's going to be a mess. We have to have the fire hydrant handy and, you know, everything <laughs> like that. And those two scenes went great. Those were, those were amazing. Yeah, and they, they looked great, too, as does the rest of the film. So yeah. uh, how long uh, did you say altogether that you shot this? Uh, we shot over an almost an entire summer. So we shot over like oh, two wow. or three months or so like that. Cause I, you know, we we're all doing a bunch of different jobs. So we would sort of shoot for a couple of days, take a break, regroup. I'd have to like work on locations and we'd have to figure out costumes and everything. And then, and then like shoot another couple of days and stuff. So it, it dragged on a lot longer than we expected it to, but you know, it's, that's the price to, to do it. And, and also like, you know, we were, I was doing some things that I had never done before. I'd never walked on a set and had 30 actors Standing there, like in the village, village yeah. and stuff. That's a lot without, you know. I mean, you know, you have your AD and everything, but it's still a lot to manage and, and keep track of. So it doesn't go as quickly as when I was running and gunning with my earlier smaller films. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So it was a, it was a long thing. Jamie, Jamie does get darker as you go through the film. If you notice, she got yeah. tanner and tanner and tanner yeah. as the film got on. I somehow didn't, even though I was on the sun just as much. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> it, I it just burned. You were yeah. you were just burned. <laughs> uh yeah no i think i think uh end times will will surprise a lot of people uh if they haven't watched it it's out on vod now and uh what's next for you what you got uh out? i well i filmed a movie uh, an exorcism movie called the possession of Anne with sadie katz uh mm-hmm. she was the star and the producer uh it also serves vernon wells from the road warrior oh and nice Commando. yeah mm-hmm. uh uh, it's about a woman who's possessed and nobody believes her so she has to uh, check into this sleazy motel and exercise herself and the only person she has to help her is this disgraced priest that is who Vernon plays um oh uh, we shot we shot that uh like the t- end of 2021 it's it's done now and it's mm-hmm. it's up for sale and we're we're waiting to hear when it's going to drop but I think it's going to come out probably closer to Halloween of this year nice um I just shot an action uh martial arts film called uh, uh Killer X and when I say shot, I actually shot it myself. It's the first uh, feature I've actually been the DP on. Uh, so I've shot other stuff. I've shot B unit. I shot some sure. of the scenes in in end times. But um, 
I just wanted to take give that a try and it was really hard but but there's also kind of like a you cut out the middleman right when you're your own cinematographer sure. uh so that was fun it's it stars um uh, jose torres who's also the actor um the lead actor uh william christopher ford from karate kid three and uh michelle mohammed kisi from oh. kickboxer mm-hmm. isn't it uh so we that's being edited right now and it's coming out next year sometime and then next year i'm going down to the u.s virgin islands and filming uh, uh another sort of action a real like a real action movie with like mm-hmm. jet ski chases and stuff called paradise fallen uh, wow. we just went down there last month and met with representatives of the government down there they're really excited to have another feature film shoot there because uh they we there has not been a major feature film shot on uh, in the u.s virgin islands since weekend at bernie's two Wow, in really? that long? which which I love, which I, which I found out that I went nuts because like it's a zombie movie. That's we, I, we, my friend and I saw that movie at yeah. the Dollar Cinema when it came out in '93, and we're like, it's a zombie movie. This is great. They took it here, so yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to do that. Uh, so that's kind of, yeah, that, I'm shooting that next year. So yeah, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of stuff coming up. That, that that's a bit of a jump from horror to to action. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I'm a former martial artist myself. Oh, okay. um, I, I shot a pilot for a, a show called Immortal Fists a couple years mm. ago as well. And that's still, you know, making the rounds and everything like that. So it's it's nice to sort of jump back and forth out, out you know, within the genres. I'm mm-hmm. still I'm still pretty much a genre filmmaker, but it's nice to bounce around within it and stuff. Martial artists are great to work with. They're really trained to do sure. to like learn one sequence of th- physical things and to do it exactly the same every time. So you can put the camera down and they do it and you move the camera and they do the exact same thing. There's no there's no continuity problems with what time, you know, sure. what, on what line the actor lifts their glass to drink or something like that. They're just great. And they don't complain either. They're just, they're really <laughs> tough people. No one's like, oh, I'm tired. When, what time's lunch? I'm they, hungry. You know, sometimes they do. Not <laughs> they enjoy, they enjoy what they're doing though. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well then for formal martial artists, if you're a martial arts uh, movie fan at all, what, what would you say? What is your favorite martial arts movies? Ooh, uh, I got to say Brotherhood of the Wolf. Mm, nice yeah the, the christoph gans film yeah. yeah oh man just amazingly one of the most beautiful looking movies that's ever been made and the the martial arts stuff, the philip clock stuff in there is is killer um i'm just i'm big old school uh enter sure. the dragon fan oh yeah uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get i just saw the big brawl is oh. was mm-hmm. has been released in the original mandarin cut oh it was in the really? language or something like that yeah i'm really oh, excited wow. to see if that's i'm not sure if that's available in the u.s yet or not but um <laughs> i really like to check that out too because you know it, it gets away from the the subtitle yeah. or the dubbing and everything like that so um yeah huge, huge fan uh also a huge old school godzilla fan i love those yes. old, old you know the old, old Toho <laughs> stuff and everything like that so um that's sure. that's a that's a goal of mine is like i want to direct a kaiju movie like a real oh, kaiju movie yeah. guys in suits and stuff because sure. i see the behind the scenes stuff of rodan on the wires and stuff and it's just like that looks like it must have been so much fun to make not to be the guy in the suit but you know to right be like, well yeah to, uh 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 uh, uh Ishiro honda or something like that yeah. these guys are directing those movies would be really fun oh man you're just talking my language with all those films. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites is uh return to the 36th chamber i love mm-hmm. that film i've got like three different copies of it but uh mm-hmm. yeah uh you know I, I i've enjoyed the action films as well i'm a big genre consumer so yeah. I, I appreciate you continuing uh making uh them uh making different uh, genre films yeah. because i think uh I think they're underappreciated. I mean, you mentioned Brotherhood of the Wolf. That that's wonderful because not as many people talk about that film as they should because that no. film 
that film is far better than what some people say it is. If you pay attention and look at it, I, I think it. I think it just blows people's minds. There's what's happening. There's a giant monster, and now there's kung fu, and now now Monica Bellucci's there, and she's beautiful. Like what is? It's 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 just every cool thing thrown together in, in a pot and barely mixed up, and you're just it's it's over. It's visually overwhelming and stuff like that. But what a what an amazing uh, beautiful film. And and I'm a sucker for period horror myself. I think mm -hmm. we need more period horror pieces because yeah. I think, you know, uh, I, I think those are unexplored angles because a lot of people do the modern horror stuff. But I'm like, I'd love to see, you know, where you don't have to worry about, oh, what are they going to do? They have cell phones. They could have done it. No, set it in the 50s to where yeah. you have, you know, very little resources at hand. Yeah, it's um, like like Guillermo's uh, Shape of Water and then mm -hmm. also a Crimson Peak as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Exactly. And and I mean, for that matter, uh, Devil's Backbone. Oh, Devil's yeah. Backbones were Devil's... my favorite. Uh, you know, I mean, th those when I was starting to just get into filmmaking, mm -hmm. uh, some of his movies like that one and 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 stuff, um, really hit me with like like you can do this and you can make this beautiful too. Like you can make beautiful horror, right? Um, and uh, Marcus Nispel, you know, came came along and did like mm -hmm. you know say what you want about the remakes that he did like that. That guy. Is a beautiful visualist and stuff. Um, one of my other favorite ones of his is uh, Pathfinder. Oh, Pathfinder! Yeah. It, does, I, yeah, it doesn't get cooler than Pathfinder. It's almost a silent movie. It's incredible. But just like Vikings fighting Native Americans in you know the most beautiful looking cinematography you've ever seen. It looks like a Presenta painting. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Mark is a great guy. He's I, I know him a little bit. He's 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 uh, he's so talented. Yeah, I, I love, but I, I just love when they mix mix uh, stuff like that with genres, Brotherhood, and and all of those. Uh, Definitely uh, interesting things and, and unsuspecting uh, quite a bit, you know, when you have that, you think of a certain way and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, are they doing martial art? Wait, is this like yeah. doing like John Wick stuff and they're in like full Victorian <laughs> yeah. outfit? Yeah. <laughs> why, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? Do why not? I'd love to do stuff like That's that. Right. Well, I thank you, uh, Jim, so much for this. Uh, where can people keep up with your stuff? You mentioned the podcast. Please uh, shill away. Yeah. Where can they uh, find your stuff at? Sure. Well, I'm on all the social medias. Just look up Jim Towns on Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever it's going to be called next week, um, and, and Instagram. Uh, uh, the, my podcast is called the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Borgo Pass as in, you know, Dracula's castle. Mm -hmm. um, and it's on every single uh, podcast platform you can imagine just just look it up and stuff we have like 70 some episodes so it's like 100 and some hours worth of, i mean we'll do we'll we'll do the mad doctor of market street with blino Abel, and we'll talk about it for an hour and a half and stuff we do like ridiculous nice. detail you know, we just we did like a three hour two two-part episode on family opera with lon cheney senior oh wow yeah. we, we get really deep into it and we get real nerdy so if that's if that's the kind of thing you're into you're not going to run out of content anytime soon listening to the show Oh, it sounds fantastic. We'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, cause yeah, I, I like, I like a lot of really B horror classic films cause it's always fun yeah. to see what they do with those. Like, uh, we just recently did, uh, was it, a uh, uh, we did a zombie film. I eat your dead. I think it was, or, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that, that <laughs> one, that one was interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like, especially some of the universal ones like horror Island and some of the, you know, oh, yeah. made monster. some of the cheapy ones they made because like, that's, that's, the world i inhabit today so i can <laughs> sure. imagine like like you know these guys are just using the leftovers of the sets they didn't use for other other movies right. and put them together that's all the Valoon movies too all those were done for dirt cheap and really just had to rely on good 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 writing and good directing a good atmosphere 
uh, good good performances, great lighting and stuff. Yeah, so um, you know, doing a lot with not so much is is, a, is something I'm not unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, scrounging for those scraps of length of film back in the day. I mean, now you've got digital, but yeah. back then, you know, hey, hey, man, uh, you got like a hundred, you got like a hundred feet of film, <laughs> short ends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a problem I don't mind not having. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Well, thank you very much, folks. Check out End Times. It's out on in VOD put out by the Asylum. And yeah, thank you for your time. I'll put links down below for everything, for all your stuff in in the uh, body of the uh, episode for this. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks very much. Good talking to you.